um, they'll say, oh yeah, we're going to do turns and it, it, it's two weeks, For, you know, 14 days, we'll do the turn. Um, of course, we're going to lease it up right away. But once you start tracking those and you see what they're doing, you'll be like, you took 45 days to do this renovation. And instead of $5,000, you spent 8,900. What is going on? Welcome to Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. Today, our guest is Anna Myers from Multifamily U. Today, we're going to talk about a data-driven approach to multifamily real estate investing and multifamily asset management. Anna and her business partner, Neil, have a really awesome system of using virtual assistants and a ton of data to improve the management of their properties. And we're going to get deeper into the specifics of some of the things that they're doing to increase traffic uh, to their properties, get their occupancy up, get their income increased, and just generally improve the operation of their properties and the number of properties that they're acquiring. They've really incorporated a data-driven approach into their syndication business, and they're seeing a lot of success with it. So we're going to talk all about that today. Uh, so if you're at all interested in data and asset management of multifamily real estate and what it can do for you to drive your investments further, this is a great interview to listen to. Without further ado, here we go with Anna Myers from Multifamily U. Can you inform the folks about what you do quick before we get into today's topic? Sure. I am a um, full-time real estate investor. I work as a syndicator. So I um, and partnered with Neil Bawa. We have a, a commercial real estate company based in the San Francisco Bay Area. And we, um, our background is in technology, both of us. And we use data-driven strategies to find, um, acquire, and manage our apartment buildings and um, assets across the United States. So we're in key markets across the U.S. that are very carefully selected and cultivated for the market fundamentals and then we actually boil down to the micro neighborhood and actually the blocks and analyze everything about that, which is, you know, those of you that are familiar with Neil Bawa, you know, we're all about the data, but it doesn't stop there. We, we also carry it all the way through um, our management of the properties. Nice. And Neil is probably one of the most, uh, and, and your company is probably one of the most tech centric uh, real estate investment uh companies out there, at least in you know, the syndication world that, uh, that we're coming across. And today we're going to talk about asset management and kind of your, your unique approach to mm -hmm. asset management using virtual assistants and all that. So we've talked about asset management on the show before, but can we start at some of the things that you guys do differently uh, in managing the 1300 units that you've bought in the last year? Um, sure. So one thing that's a, um, a little different about, about us is that we work with various operating partners, again, very carefully selected, we're in key markets. And then those operating partners um, have, you know, we've got different property managers. So we don't have a single property manager over all of our portfolio, nor do we have a set staff that's the same asset managers, the same teams across all of our. So we're integrating with multiple technologies that across the we've got five value adds right now in four new construction that are, you know, under construction. So the, the five value adds, the five property managers on those properties are using five different softwares, like every software you can think of, you know, Buildium, Appfolio, Yardi, Resman, you know, it's, it's like every flavor out there. So mm -hmm. it's challenging as technologists to be like, well, we're going to do this because we have to interface with their technologies. So we use um, Google, we recreate what we call trackers. And we've got um, these very specific trackers that we use 
and we um, have our property managers fill in a bunch of this data. So that's the first thing is we need data in order to asset manage our properties. Very first thing, we need intelligence, right? So we've created consistent trackers at, for various things and, and because they're filling in, all filling in those same trackers, then we're able to extrapolate that data into charts and understand trends for each of our property. So for example, we have a Monday morning report, which is a pretty common concept out there. Um, so we've got our, our Google sheet that, that um, requires that information. I think one of the things that we layer onto our Monday morning report, of course, it's a, a very detailed in depth one, um, but one thing we've layered onto it is Neil's concept of LASAL, if any of you out there have heard of it, about that. Yeah, it's L-A-S-A-L, and that's about traffic sources. So we, and this is where we leverage um, our, our uh, virtual assistants. So what we want to do is we have ways where we are going to 10x the number of leads coming into a property so that we can, on the other side, on the other end of the L, improve the number of leases that are coming out the other side. So we've got lead, and so, so we've got various hacks. I mean, I have to tell you, Neil has hacked the heck out of um, how to do market advertising, um, marketing advertising for apartments. So he literally hired a hacker many years ago and came up with all these various techniques and we're always, they change over time, right? Technology changes. So basically we figured out ways to integrate with the different things. We're not breaking them and we're not breaking any laws, but we figure out the ways to maximize how to use each one of the channels, you know, Zillow and Rentlex and Craigslist and Facebook, you know, how do you get the most juice out of each one? So we basically hack them and we try and be the top of the list for each one. We want to be the top SEO for each of those channels, because that means people that are looking for apartments are going to see us first. And we also like to have a lot of advertisements out there. So they might not realize that they're seeing our ads 17 times because we're using different pictures. But again, it leads to more ads. So all of these different strategies that we're using, and by the way, our virtual assistants are the ones that are out there putting in all these ads and refreshing the ads and changing the pictures and doing all the techniques, the, the so-called hacking techniques in the background, the, the data-centric things you need to do to keep tweaking, tweaking, tweaking to juice those advertisements. That creates a ton of leads for the property manager. Now let's look at a comparison. Our, we, for example, we had a property in, in Atlanta and you know, property managers in those, in those softwares, they can basically just push a button and it puts out advertisements. You know, they're like, oh, I've got this. You know, the, my, my software does it for me. And we're like, yeah, okay. So we, we had Monday morning report. How many leads are you, did you get this week? I got 25 leads. We turned on mega marketing and the following week we had 200 leads in a week on that one property. That is the power of mega marketing. So they, they thought the 25 was great, but 25 is hardly gonna, you know, you've got an apartment building that's 200 units that you need to keep filled up. 25 leads is not enough because most, you know, most of those people aren't even gonna qualify, so to speak. So you need a lot of leads coming in. And after the next one, you've got leads, the next one is, um, is appointments. So because we have so many leads coming in, the property manager's like, I can't even, the phone is ringing off the hook. My email box is full. You guys are sending me so many leads. I don't know what to do. So we've got a solution for that. Again, it's virtual assistants. So we are bringing in our CSR, our customer service rep, and they are actually managing those leads. So we plug our CSR into the property manager's structure. They're actually putting, they're actually inputting into Yardi and Appfolio and Buildium. 
they're actually interacting with these systems to create the guest cards and to book the appointments. They're calling, they're emailing, they're getting those appointments booked right away. As soon as somebody pushes that, you know, creates that lead and sends that email, my CSR is on the job. She wants to, she wants to get that person booked for an appointment before they even have a chance to like continue looking at other advertisements, right? Because that's what it's all about. You want to call them right back and stop them dead in their tracks. And they're like, oh, great. I've got an apartment. I'm going to look at that. Go look at that other apartment. So those are some of the ways. And without having a virtual assistant, your property manager just doesn't have time to do these things, right? So um, I don't know how anyone else would do it without having an army like we do in the background. And then we're tracking the data, of course. So we're tracking the relationships between the number of leads to the number of appointments. And then what's the S? The S is shows. So you've got appointments, but how many people are showing up? You can tweak that with technology too by sending text messages and interacting with them. So that's the S. And then we've got from the shows, we have applications. How many people are actually making applications? And finally, the last L is leases. So we look at the relationships between each of those. And then we're always trying to improve them to improve the you know, leads to, to appointments and et cetera. So, um, so that is just one piece of our Monday morning report. And, and, but you can see how powerful that is to be able to really um, drive the traffic of your apartment building and not just sit back and say, well, my property manager has a button they push. I think it works. I don't know. We're like, <laughs> you, you keep pushing your button. We're going to push our buttons too. We've got buttons to push, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, that's our Monday, Monday, Monday morning report. There's another part, another tracker we have that is, is, is really critical. This is where a lot of asset managers start falling flat because they're doing renovations, right? We've got to renovate and we've got to push rents, right? That's what we're all doing in the value add game. And they think that they're paying, what, $5,000 for a turn, $6,000 for a turn. But are they tracking it? And what level are they tracking it? So we have a CapEx tracker. And in that tracker, the property manager, again, that's who's got to put in the data. So for each for each um, unit and each turn, they're putting in all of the various costs and what time, how long it's been, the unit's been offline, like when the last lease end, when they started the renovation, how long it took them to do the renovation and how long it took the lease up again. When you first talk to your property manager, um, they'll say, oh yeah, we're gonna do turns and it, it, it's two weeks, For, you know, 14 days, we'll do the turn. Um, of course, we're gonna lease it up right away. But once you start tracking those and you see what they're doing, You'll be like, you took 45 days to do this renovation. And instead of $5,000, you spent 8,900. What is going on? So if you really want to manage your CapEx, you can't just assume everything's going right. I promise you, once they're putting in the data, you're going to see all kinds of nonsense. And that's the only way to, again, drive the property is with data. So, uh, and then of course, you know, there's ways that our, our the VAs are, are playing in that game too. So we're bolstering um, that process also with our virtual assistants. Um, but you can see that we're really all about the asset and making the asset the best as possible. Now, another thing that we're doing that we've been talking about ways to drive our bottom line and improve our basically our net operating income, which is awesome. But we are also concerned about our tenants. We want our tenants to be happy because that improves the bottom line of our property too. If you have a very, uh, a, a building, a community, that is very attractive, people are gonna to wanna to stay there, first of all, which costs a lot less than churning through tenants, right? If you mm -hmm. have a happy community and they're, they're like, yeah, I'm happy to pay you 40, do 40 more dollars on renewal because this is an awesome place to live and you take good care of me. So we've got programs in, that we are also using virtual assistants for that have to do with uh, community improvement, 
uh, reputation management, and renewal management. And does your property manager ever get to these things? No, they don't. Most they never not. do. They yeah. never do. So, so by having processes in place, um, technology that we're using, and then virtual assistants that are plugged in and responsible for making those phone calls to the tenants to uh, improve the community, that even just setting up events. We always talk about, oh, you know, let's have back to school events or, you know, all these different things. No one has time to plan it. But if you have a group in the, you know, we use the Philippines um, quite a bit and mm -hmm. they can easily plan these events. We, they plan events for us all the time, high-end events or, or very budget, you know, all kinds of events they plan. So they're great at being able to pick, you know, pick decor and come up with themes and, and basically do everything that the property manager has no time to do to make it easy for the property manager to do their job, which is focusing on the face-to-face -face relationships that they're fostering in their community and, you know, directly um, handling things. One other element, which we haven't discussed yet, which uh, virtual assistants can play a very key role in is delinquency management. So um, as you can imagine, uh, again, property managers have very little time. Are they doing all of the touch points necessary to really drive delinquency management down? And the answer is usually no. Um, so this is another role that virtual assistants can step into. Of course, a VA can't go and knock on the door, Right. But, um, and, you know, so there's certain steps that, of course, the on-site staff has to be doing, but there's a lot of stuff that can be happening in the background with off-site resources to make sure that you're really um, working as a team to drive down the delinquency management and to understand what's going on with that tenant. Maybe that tenant, you know, needs more touch points because they're struggling with their job and they need to be connected with local resources um, to help get them through that month. So, you know, it's just uh, is pairing being very efficient with our resources so that we can create a great community for our tenants and a great asset for our investors. That's all great. I mean, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of solutions that you've implemented here. And I'm curious, what are the, the, the solutions or the, the techniques that you found are the highest ROI in this, um, this tech, this data driven uh, asset management world. I mean, there's quite a few things here. They're going to have a range of uh, returns. I mean, right. driving down to links, delinquencies is great. We got to get paid. Uh, right. But if you don't have a lot of delinquencies, then there's not a, maybe a huge ROI on that, or for example. But um, what's the, the biggest bang for your buck in this? Well, um, I mean, I think for a lot of it, a lot of times it's occupancy, right? So if you, if your market occupancy is, you know, 90, 93%, and by using um, mega marketing and mega leasing, you can drive your occupancy consistently to 96, 97. That's a huge difference on your, on your NOI, on your bottom line. Um, and then also you can use virtual assistants to be selling these other income ideas that we have, like, oh, let's sell you know, covered parking and let's get washer and dryers in there. Well, that takes people, that takes salespeople, right? To continue to have touch points. So other income can be increased um, through this, through this avenue as well. So I think occupancy and, you know, keeping occupancy high and um, keeping um, your other income sources uh, can always continuing to work that and um, in, in a way that's actually doable. Other income, people have these great ideas, but somehow they never get implemented. You ever see that? Like mm -hmm. on the underwriting, the pro forma is like, looks great. But when you look at it in the actual time frame, it's like, hey, property manager, you're supposed to be achieving this other income. That was what we were budgeted for. You're so far below this. Well, why is that? 
oftentimes it comes down to time. They just don't have time to be making those calls and, and basically selling those services um, to their, to their tenants. Hmm. So uh, I'm curious about this delinquency system. I mean, are your systems generating some kind of signal that say, Hey, this tenant is delinquent. Okay. We put them on a a log and they're going to get a phone call from one of our VAs. That's going to say, Hey, just to remind you, your rent's due. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's a process that you want in, in every community. There's, you know, best practices that have to do with you know, what are that, of course, have to be in alignment with the local laws and the local mm-hmm. tenant regulations. I mean, obviously, we're doing everything in alignment with that. So, you know, on what day is, you know, so you're going to send out your reminders, the reminders, hey, sending out reminders that can be done virtually, it doesn't have to be done by your property manager. Our, again, our, our um, VAs have access to the property software, so they can pull directly on a, on a schedule. You know, we use um, Asana Project Management. So on, on that day of the month, on the third day of every month, go to the project management software and pull the report and find out, you know, who hasn't paid, send a reminder, right? So again, we're, we're using technology as our reminders to do it. And then, you know, going in and doing it. And then we use, if we can do, uh, be very efficient with it to use um, voicemail drops. So if you're going to send out to like 40 people, we'll use uh, Sly Broadcast to record a voicemail and then just send it out to those 40 people to say, you know, as a reminder. So that can be a very quick way to, to um, get the message out in a friendly tone, right? To everybody that needs it. Um, so uh, yeah, technology, technology, technology. Mm, okay, okay. Yeah, I like that. What have you found in, you, you do deals with others throughout the country, maybe you have mm-hmm. specific markets that you invest in, but presumably you're, talking to significantly more operators and potential partners than you're actually partnering with. Mm-hmm. What have you found that, um, it, what, what mistakes do you think the ones that you're not partnering with are making primarily it's maybe a top handful of, of mistakes that they're making considering the number of deals and partnerships that you, uh, evaluate? Well, um, I don't want to say it's a mistake they're making because uh, in, in this sense, sure. I mean, it, it, we have a very strict standards about uh, the metrics of the market and neighborhoods that we will invest in. And um, it is our tolerance that's based on, um, on Neil's portfolio experience and, and our you know, data fundamentals. So different people have different tolerances or maybe just aren't even aware of, of these things. So, um, I'd say the number one thing that we'll turn away a deal is if it doesn't meet our metrics. So uh, we're all about, you know, population has to be growing in the metro, job growth has to be over 2%, very strong. And then within the micro neighborhood, um, within just a few blocks, we're, we're looking at, you know, poverty level, unemployment level, median household income. Typically, we want 40K or greater. We found that if it's below 40K, that's kind of like a magic number for us that your delinquency is going to be much higher. Um, hmm. People just can't afford to pay you rent 12 months out of the year. So we, you know, we, we, that's, that's probably the number one deal killer. People, you know, a lot of C apartment buildings, the median household income will be like 28K in that area. And the, right. um, the uh, poverty level will be really high. The unemployment level will be like 10%. You know, so uh, these are the things where we're just like, I'm sorry, you know, and they're like, it's such a great deal. It's in a transitional neighborhood. We're like, we're just not putting our investor money there. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're all about the path to progress, but um, it's not 
the data is showing us that, that this isn't a place where we want to put our investors' money. And uh, these, the, these strategies came from Neil's mistakes that he made earlier in his portfolio by not using data and having to really struggle with those properties. And so he said, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm, I'm going to rely on data. And that's, I love that disciplined approach. And, and we stay disciplined. We don't get starstruck with, uh, with a building or with a set of partners. There's always another deal, you know. So um, that's the number one thing is, is the data of the market fund, of the, of the underlying asset. Does, does it match up to, to what we're looking for? That makes sense. When you find deals that maybe check all of those data point boxes, mm -hmm. at least from yeah. a, a location standpoint, and then you go to the next step of evaluating them, what are some of the go, no go things that are pertinent to your business today? Um, well, the underwriting, uh, of course, now, now next, you know, once we've, once we've got talked about the market and then the, you know, we've, we've crossed that bridge, then we're going to dig into the underwriting. And um, so we actually, you know, obviously I'm, I'm the lead underwriter for the group. So I'm going to do a deep dive into the underwriting and find out a lot, a lot about it. And, and, you know, we're looking at you know, what is you know, typical things like what are, what is their exit cap rate assumptions? What are their assumptions related to, you know, rent growth, expense growth? other income, like, are they have some crazy assumptions? What are their rent comps? You know, are, where, what level of sanity do they have and, uh, and conservatism with their numbers? What are their, they're, they're, pro they're projecting a plan to us. And does that plan make sense for this asset? Um, so once I've looked at it and, and we were like, yeah, I think that, you know, this is a, a strong go. And let's just assume that, that we've already vetted the partners and uh, we feel like, you know, these are people that we'd want to work with and as team up with for five or 10 years, because that's always another thing, right? So let's just assume that that's a go. We actually go through another step for projects that we're super serious about where we hire an independent underwriter. And I send that underwriter the, um, basically the trailing 12 months and the rent roller. It depends on what type of project. And we do a lot of new construction too, which obviously we'd have to send them the, um, the construction bids and all that. And we have the underwriter completely underwrite it. Like here, underwrite this. Tell me what you think, and um, and so that's another level because, you know, I can look as much as I want at at the spreadsheet that somebody sent me. I might miss the fact that they have an error in one of their formulas, and the whole deal doesn't work. So you know, I mean, of course, I look for that type of stuff, but we also that the a spreadsheet has a set of assumptions built into the underlying formulas, the way the waterfalls work. It's a it's a program. So by taking it out of that, and, and we have the underwriter underwrite it in a completely their, their model, and sometimes they create a whole new model in order to underwrite it for us, then it gives us independent validation, which um, gives us a lot more comfort about bringing our investors' money into it. So it's an additional audit step we take. We are all about auditing, audit, audit, audit. And that's one of our pre-audits that we do um, for a deal to um to say and and of course the, the returns that that the that the underwriter finds we're not trying to say you've got to find the exact same returns that this person found but we've got to be within a ballpark so that when they go and they do their rent comp analysis we want some type of correlation um so you know the assumptions that they're making they did they don't usually come with the exact same numbers but you know close enough but if they come back and they say this deal there's no way this deal can work and here's sure. why then, then that's going to give us give us pause. So it's a level of due diligence that we do on the underwriting side before we'd even take on a deal. Okay, I've found that in the past before. I've I've been I, I get a lot of deals from from other syndicators looking for 
um, investment. And I found that sometimes uh, one, one sticks out in my mind in particular, obviously I'm not going to say give specific details, but check the math and their projected IRR, five-year IRR was off by memory serves like 5%. They're projecting right. 18%. And my math said 13. That's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we definitely get your, we always are looking at our gut feel for the returns. And, and that's something that like from the get-go, when I'm doing my deep dive, we find stuff like that all the time where IRR is like a tricky one, right? Where people are like, this IRR is awesome. And you're like, your IRR is really wrong. No, it's, <laughs> you know, because there's, there's a, there's relationships between IRR and equity multiple and cat, you know, and, and the, the average annualized return, there's, a, there's, there's relationships that you, that once things are really different and you're looking across those three numbers, you go, there's something wrong in this one. That is not realistic. So um, we're, we're always looking for that stuff. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, I like all of that. This, this data component is, uh, is very important. I think probably uh, uh, you guys at Grow Capitus, you and Neil are pretty much at the forefront of incorporating data into your syndication business. So you deserve a lot of credit for that. Well, thanks. I, and I, I, you know, we all encourage everybody to do the same thing. We're not trying to be the only ones out there doing that because I think it's better for everybody. Um, and so, you know, we do teach, um, you know, basically how we do it, uh, everything that we do, we teach in, in a boot camp that we teach four times a year. So for syndicators out there, and we've got lots of free content also on multifamilyu.com. So it's not something that we're like, it's our secret sauce and you can't know anything about it. We're like, come on, we'll teach you everything about it because we just have an abundance mindset. And uh, it's not something that we don't, we, we want everybody to be in good deals and understand why, you know, it, it's going to be a better situation. Not that, you know, people, if people are going to choose to invest in places that have 28K for their median household income, that's great, but they need to understand what they're getting into, right? Yes. As long as they understand it, then that's perfect because they can address it appropriately and, um, and their investors would understand what they're getting into. That's what, that's what we, we would hope, that by using data that everybody can up their game. Wow. I like that. Well, that. That is a blurb right there. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Anna, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show at the end of the show. Are you ready? Uh, sure. Uh, I'm ready. All right. Great. I think you are. First one, what is the best investment that you've ever made? Um, <laughs> the best investment I ever made was a $200 boot camp. And um, I was all about uh, learning uh, and I was really digging deep. I was closing down. I, I was actually a, a full-time photographer for 18 years, by the way. I had a tech career for 18 years and then I had a photography career for 18 years. Wow. That's a whole long story, right? But um, anyway, I was actively moving into real estate full-time. So I, I was only working in my studio like three days a week and was spending the other four days a week in educating and, and expanding my, my real estate portfolio. And I was trying to, you know, at that point, I was like, I've got to scale into multifamily. So I paid $200 for a February e-boot camp in 2018 oh. with Neil Bala. Nice. And um, I'd heard, I'd seen him speak on stage um, at a conference. And I'm like, this guy, I totally get this guy. Like he was talking all data. And I'm like the spreadsheet queen, like especially trying to find markets. So I took his class and um, in the class, he was like, hey, uh, I need somebody to help write a deal analyzer. And of course I was like, me, I've been a programmer, financial programmer for years, run, you know, so a lot of people volunteered. So 
I talked to Neil on the phone because we had one-on-ones with all the boot camp students. And I said, by the way, I want you to know my background in programming and managing teams remotely. I've, I've got a very expansive career in this. And, and he says, great, you're my lead. And so oh. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, no problem, no problem. I'll, yeah, I can be the lead. So I basically was managing this group of people, all these volunteers, right, to create a deal, a, a deal analyzer to, to analyze, um, you know, multifamily uh, value add. And I was interacting with Neil over email and updating him on the project. And after a, a few weeks of going back and forth and giving him updates, he emails me back and he says, I want you to know, I don't care if this deal analyzer ever gets made. I want to work with you. And I'm like, what? That is crazy. So anyway, that was the beginning. I came, then I came on to Grow Capitus as a um, acquisition specialist. And I was um, analyzing markets, which I love. I, I love being a demographer and it's just, oh, I love that stuff. And, um, and doing um, underwriting, right, of multifamily across the U.S. Fast forward, you know, within eight months, I was the vice president of the company. So I would say that the best, <laughs> that $200 was probably the best uh, investment I've made in my real estate career because it's gotten me um, where I am. And of course, a lot of things led up to that. Um, and I've got a pretty broad skill set, which is why I was able to um, scale so fast within the company. Um, but yeah, that 200 bucks, that was a, that was a game changer for me. Nice. I like that. On the other side of that best investment coin, we have the worst investment you ever made. What is the worst investment that you ever made? Okay. The worst investment I ever made. Okay. Well, okay. So the worst investment I ever made again, I, so I live in California for those of you that aren't aware. And so I've, I'm born and raised and I've been a real estate investor for a long time. And I've always been about data and markets, but it's, it's hard to figure this stuff out on your own. And I've always been trying. And so um, it was, uh, I needed to invest. I was I needed to do a 1031. My brothers and our a forensic architect actually was working um, near Katrina in uh, Diamond Head, Mississippi after the hurricane. And there was this huge onslaught of, of people that were living in this community. It was raised up so that um, because it was higher up, there was no flooding. And so there was a lot of people that had moved there and all the contractors and people that were now working to fix the area we're living in this beautiful place. It's got like, like a golf resort or something. And so my brother be, was living there, you know, working there uh, to, for his business uh, during the time for this project. And he was like, yeah, there's good houses you can buy here. The rent's fantastic. You're basically going to be renting to contractors and all, you know, all these types of people. So I said, fantastic. So I bought a house there at my brother's recommendation. He's a smart guy. He bought a house there himself too, to rent out. So what happened was I didn't look at the data. Okay. Hmm. So what started happening was when I bought it on close, the insurance changed in the area related to Katrina and my brother closed his first and he didn't have this issue. But when it came to mine, the, they said, Oh, now to insure it, there's this new wind and hail thing that they've changed. And it was incredibly expensive. Well, I should have walked away from the deal because that basically made my numbers not work. But this was, this was a long time ago. And I was just like, I felt the pressure of the 1031, right? And I was just like, uh, and then, and then the, the person that, that I was buying from, said, they said, oh, I'll, I'll, pay, I'll pay half of it. Well, that was pretty smart on their side, right? They got out of town and I ended up you know, continuing to buy the asset. Well, that changed the entire community because everybody that was buying had to pay this incredibly high insurance tax for wind and hail and nobody could afford it. Like it was like a third of the cost of the of the housing so it was like two-thirds was your mortgage and another third was it was astronomically yeah. high so now 
the rentals weren't worth it. The entire community just died on the vine and, and everybody just ended up leaving. There was all these foreclosures that were going on. So what did that do to my property? That drove the value of my property down. And, and then I couldn't rent it out, um, even rent it out for, uh, to, to pay the bills. I was like $900 out of pocket every month. It, it was crazy. And you know, that was during the downturn. Everybody was feeling bleeding and feeling pain, right? I ended up doing a short sale to get out of that property. Um, but that was, I would say, um, and, and you know, I, I've got some, so a few horror stories, but that was probably the worst. And um, if I had really done more research, I can't blame my brother because he was that guy that was like, hey, this looks like a good thing. But I didn't do enough due diligence on my own to understand what was the impact of the hurricane on the community and on, on the area and how did it affect insurance. Insurance is huge. I mean, that's one thing I learned from there. Be scared of insurance and do your due <laughs> diligence to find out what the insurance costs are going to be, right? And then I just didn't understand the underlying, the underlying tenant base. And um, I, I just didn't do my, my due diligence related to data. And um, that, that really, you know, caused me to go through a short, a short, uh, short sale. And now my, my, of course, my credit's all recovered and I'm fine. And, you know, it's better to, to do a short sale than a foreclosure. At least I was able to accomplish that. But it was, uh, you know, one of those, one of those down, down parts of a real estate investor's career. Ouch. Tough lesson learned, but you've, yeah. uh, you emerged, you know, victorious in a way. Uh, my favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in investing? Oh, so I think the most important lesson, I, th I think I've said it many times already is, is use data. So, you know, that, that data is, is your friend and, and you need to understand the underlying data fundamentals of a deal. Um, not just the numbers on, in an underwriting spreadsheet. You need to dig deeper than that. So uh, data will steer you the right way and it will steer you away from the wrong deals. And, you know, trust it. Numbers don't lie. That's, my, that's my, one of my favorite quotes. You know, they, they don't. Numbers don't lie. As nice. long as there's not errors in the formulas. Check the formulas, <laughs> right? <laughs> they don't lie as long as not, they're not based on an, uh, an erroneous formula. <laughs> Absolutely. Your, your underwriting spreadsheet at the end of the day is a culmination of a number of assumptions that you're making, both in terms of the inputs that you're putting in and the formulas that actually make up the sheet itself. But we need to get beyond that and right. look there, at the market. There's so much things. free data out there about the, because of the, of the, you know, the, the government cities, they're, they're responsible for putting out all this data. They have to. That's part, mm -hmm. of, part of their job. And that is just a treasure trove for us real estate investors. So um, dig into it, understand it, and uh, find your niche in understanding that data and where your opportunities lay. Nice. I like that. Anna, thank you for everything today. Where can people learn more? Where can they get in touch? I mean, you guys have your educational platform, yeah. uh, your investment company. Lay it on us. Well, I would suggest uh, multifamilyu.com is a great place to come and, and learn more about us. Um, we have regular webinars. You'll hear my voice a lot. I, I host most of the webinars that um, and we've got tons of material that's there. It's all free. You can go you know, watch the previous webinars that we've done and join us in our future webinars. Um, so that is a great place to start and uh, hope to see you all there. I, I love seeing people uh, um, in the chat box, you know, chatting, asking questions. Uh, I love learning along with everybody else. Great. Well, once again, thank you for all the lessons today. And uh, people should definitely check out Multifamily U. I'm on your guys' email list. And uh, awesome. there's a lot of great content.
All right. Thank you, Taylor. I've really enjoyed spending some time here with you today. Hey, I have too. And I hope everybody out there has enjoyed it as well. To everybody out there listening, and thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes. It's a very big help. If you know anyone that could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and get them involved. And once again, thank you, Anna, for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Take care, everyone. Have a great day and a great week, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.